Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and this episode kicks off a mini-series we are doing with a bunch of the major brands in our sport around the athlete-sponsor relationship. First up is Steph Gardner, who serves as the trail marketing manager for Solomon North America, based in Ogden, Utah. Part of her role involves working with Solomon's North American athlete team, and that's where we focus the majority of this conversation. We talk about what's involved in the day-to-day, managing the team, how Solomon thinks about signing athletes, retaining athletes, and creating a virtual and in-person team environment. Talk generally about how the athlete sponsorship landscape has changed over the last decade. We talk about social media obligation, what else is involved being a pro athlete. We also look at Solomon's short term and long term strategies in the trail running space, among many more things. I really enjoy talking with folks like Steph, who are largely behind the scenes but play a pivotal role in making things work in our sport. Before we get started, though, I have a few discount codes for listeners. For Kodiak Cakes, use SingleTrack15 to get 15% off your next order. For Inside Tracker, go to insidetracker.com backslash SingleTrack to get 20% off your order. For Athletic Greens, go to athleticgreens.com backslash SingleTrack. That link is going to give you free vitamin D pills for a year as well as five free travel packs when you sign up for a subscription. These deals are possible because Single Track is now brought to you by the following sponsors. First, Kodiak Cakes. I'm super stoked about this partnership, almost as stoked as Chris Mako when he secured a similar deal with them back in the Mako Show days. But seriously, if you're like me, your weekend long run is followed up with a big stack of pancakes. And let me tell you, Kodiak Cakes taste great, they're whole grain, and they come with extra protein. So if they aren't already, they should be the centerpiece of your post-long run pancake situation. But hey, if pancakes aren't your thing, that's okay. They also make great oatmeal, which I've incorporated into the weekday breakfast routine. And finally, Kodiak Cakes is based in Park City, Utah. And there's just something cool about being aligned with a local company. So use that promo code SINGLETRACK15 on their website checkout to get 15% off your next order. Second, Inside Tracker. This company is awesome. You get your blood drawn. You answer some lifestyle questions, you upload the data, and they analyze the results and provide an action plan with the most accurate, personalized recommendations about where you can improve when it comes to the food you eat and the supplements you take so that you can solve that critical diet part of the training equation. Think of it like having your own personal data-driven nutritionist in an app. To get 20% off your next order, just go to www. Uh, insidetracker.com backslash single track and that deal is going to apply at checkout and yeah i am taking my own inside tracker test later this month i look forward to sharing the results with all of you just to provide insight into how i personally use their platform to guide my diet um, choices and ultimately to reach those training and racing goals as well finally athletic greens i started taking their ag1 product about three years ago so in my mind This partnership is a long time coming. It has since become a part of my morning routine to ensure that I am covering all of my nutrient bases and absorbing all of those whole food sourced vitamins, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens, you name it, that I need to round out my diet so that I'm ready to train hard. And yeah, there's a theme here. Think of it like nutritional insurance. It's lifestyle friendly as well. So it works for you whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, gluten-free, And it costs less than $3 a day, which I know some of you out there, sometimes myself as well, is uh, less than you spend on that daily cup of coffee. 
So if you want to arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, like I do, as I said, go to athleticgreens.com backslash single track to get free vitamin D pills for a year, as well as five free travel packs when you sign up for a subscription. Um, so there you have it. Kodiak Cakes, Inside Tracker, Athletic Greens, proud sponsors of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get started. Steph Gardner, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Hi. There is so much that I want to get into on this conversation because we were just talking offline and we spend a fair bit of time talking with athletes and coaches on this podcast, but I think that what folks like you do are equally as interesting, if not more interesting in terms of contributions to our sport. So like I said, there's a lot to talk about, but um, I saw on Instagram that you were just at Mount Marathon last weekend for the 4th of July. Can you talk about that experience? That was wild. So we have been like the presenting sponsor for the last two years. We're on a three-year contract with them. And each year we've gone up and done like an Airbnb right in town and bring up as many athletes as we can. A lot of athletes will put themselves into the lottery. And then also like if they don't get in through that way, you can do a petition. Um, And so some of them get selected that way. But we had a pretty good crew last year and they all did so well that they got to come back this year. And then we had some extra, or we, we had our Solomon spots, but like last minute, uh, Bailey Kowalczyk got sick, so she couldn't come up. So I tried to give her bib over to Jamil Curry, and he got COVID. And I was like just reaching out to anyone on our team that could come up and race, but it was like the championships were this weekend, and there's just a lot going on. People like just got off of Wasatch 100 or no, Western States, sorry. (laughs) Those two are equal in my brain. But I was like, I even asked Eli Hemming, who you just had on, but he's been running in Solomon for so long and I've been talking to him. So I was like, he's basically on the team. I'm going to invite him, but he was going to the championships and I invited Eric LaPuma and just like nobody could come up. So I was like, hmm, maybe I'll have to race. But we went through the weekend and had just really great like pre-race stuff going on. Max King was there for the third time. And Darren Thomas was supposed to jet up on Sunday, but he texted me either Saturday night and Sunday morning and said that he got COVID also. So I think it's just like running amok again. And our whole team is like sick. So I was like, fine, I'll race it. So I got to jump into the women's race, which was the last race this year. The women went first last year, but it was absolutely insane our house was close enough to the finish line that I could hear people cheering and I thought I had a couple minutes before the first place mail would come in but I heard people cheering so I like ran down there and it was max which is so exciting and then just men like pouring in after well there was a pretty big gap but just so exciting the streets are completely lined for blocks up to the mountain and then the mountain is like lined with people people are just like handing you bunches of grapes and like squirting you with squirt guns and like it's hot and it's dusty this year. Last year was like raining and like everything was muddy and Jamil and I went out and we're on course and you'd like take a step up and slide back. And this year was like dusty, like dry. So it's just really crazy weather, super nuts terrain. People just like going so hard. Like it's just crazy. But yeah, it was all in all really good. Allie Mack stayed at our house too. So it was really fun having like the two champions staying at, ho- at the house with us and like leading up to the event, they were they were kind of strategizing like, okay, on the way up, there's three different ways you can go up. You can take the routes, 
the cliffs or the switchbacks. And the switchbacks are for nerds and kids. <laughs> and then, like, you pick between the cliffs and the roots, and it's just, like, legit, like, roots hanging down, and you're, like, climbing up them, like Tarzan or something. But hearing their strategies over the last few days before the race was cool, because then when I hopped in kind of last minute, I was like, okay, I'm going with the cliffs on the way up, and I'm taking the cliffs, no, waterfall on the way down. There's just so many things. Like, there's not a real course. Um, there's three ways up, two ways down. And then, yeah, it's a 5K with, like, almost 3,000 feet of climbing, but it's on a mountain called Mount Marathon. So that's very confusing for a lot of people. But very cool race, like, super European-feeling mountain race. Really, like, just, I feel like, clicks with Solomon. It's been really fun to be connected with that. I was just going to say, we both based in the greater Salt Lake area, and I'm trying to see if there's any comparison whatsoever to any of our mountains here. Like, does Mount Marathon compare to, like, the west side of Granger Peak, for example? Is there anything in our area yeah. that like, you can compare it to? I kept thinking, like, this is like Maylands, or this is like the west face of Granger. And so, but it would be like if you ran a half mile on the road with adrenaline coursing through your body because you're so excited and people are yelling. So you look down, you're doing like a six-minute pace, and you shouldn't be. But then you get to this, like, cliff, and you have to navigate which way you're going to go because it's just immediately like straight up and then uh, you come out of like the bushes so the terrain is a lot different but it is a lot like that climbing just like relentless like it's a lot I hate the west face of Ranger so much it's like I'm always like I'm never doing this again but it was a lot like that and then if you can imagine just like if you turned around on the top and just there was like a field of scree and you just had to go down I didn't wear gaiters which is a bad move uh, but yeah, it's very, it is very much like the West Face. So if anyone wants to go up to the race, I'll see you there. And maybe we should train on <laughs> grandeur together. Awesome. Well, we're recording this in July. And I guess you could call this like the high point of the season in our sport. And I'm curious, what is the rest of your summer schedule look like? Are you going to any other events? Is it all Solomon-based? I think you mentioned Hard Rock earlier before we hit record. So curious to yeah. know what it looks like. So last year I went to Hard Rock and posted on Solomon Running's Instagram. Uh, and I didn't do a fantastic job because there's just, like, the course is huge. It's hard to get to a lot of the spots. Uh, there's not a lot of service. So this year I was hoping to just kind of lay low, hire other people to do things, and I'm just going to go as a human being, like as an individual. But then at the last minute it sounds like we do need someone to post on social, so... I might, since I'm going to be out there anyway, I might give it another go. Now that I know the course better and the coffee shops that have Wi-Fi <laughs> and things like that. So I'll be out there for sure. I might be working and I might not be, but I'll be there. And then after that, I'm actually going to Italy for like three weeks for fun. We're doing like a hut run hut thing in the Dolomites uh, and some Via Ferrata stuff. And then I come back and I go to this cool women's summer camp in Pennsylvania with Wazelle. It's like a women's running clothing brand. And that's at the end of August. And then September is super heavy up with the Golden Trail Series. So it goes Wham! at Whistler Alpine Meadows and then Pikes Peak Ascent and Flagstaff Sky Peaks. And Pikes Peak and Flagstaff are both on the Golden Trail National Series and World Series. So a lot of like our international elites will be coming out for those, which will be fun. But I won't be at any of those because I'm getting ready to run the bear, which is at the end of September also. 
So that is about as action packed a summer as I could describe myself. Very cool. Well, I want to get into a little bit of your background before we have, I think, a wide ranging conversation about the athlete sponsorship landscape. And um, I forgot to introduce you. You work at Solomon, and your title, I, I think, is. That has a logo on it. Should I put that on? <laughs> you Keep want. going. I'm going to logo up. Logo up, because this is going on YouTube as well. Is it fair to say you're the athlete manager or community manager? What title do you like to go by? Well, my title is marketing manager for trail running or trail running marketing manager for North America. But that is newish as of like five months. Before that, I was a sports marketing manager. Before that, I was the community marketing manager. Before that, I was a tech rep. So ever since I became like a community marketing manager, I've been working with athletes, but and ambassadors, like I managed our ambassador program for a while. But the sports marketing role and trail marketing role is really where people like people have started calling me like the team manager or athlete manager for sure. Uh, with my last role, sports marketing manager, it was basically sponsored races, Solomon sponsored races in North America, so Canada and US, mm-hmm. and then athletes. And then with my new role, I'm just sort of they're not backfilling my other role, so I'm just going to keep working with athletes and races and then take on the like the sports or the tr- trail run marketing strategy for North America. So I'll be working like with media and like our partnerships and clubs and just the broader like marketing for trail running for Solomon in North America. Uh, and then I won't be going to as many races. I won't be like as in the weeds, but yeah, I get to work with the athletes still, which is exciting because that's probably my favorite part. that's super cool and i'm you mentioned strategy in north america for solomon trail running and i'd love to talk about that too but first i'm curious how you broke into the outdoor industry and how you started working with solomon because there's a lot of listeners that are trying to chart their own similar course so i think they'd be interested yeah i always feel like this is a disappointing answer because it's not what most people probably want to hear. I used to do massage therapy for the runners up at the college here, like just sort of once a week. And then I worked at a spa and then I worked at a coffee shop. Like I was just struggling in my twenties. And there was a couple of guys from Solomon that would come into my coffee shop every day and just, we'd like shoot the shit. <laughs> and like they would, we would just hang out and drink coffee. And then one of them was like, you should come work for us. And I was like, okay, let me know, you know, whatever. And then they told me there was a position open for just like a seasonal part-time customer service thing. And I was sort of doing seasonal work. Like I would try to ski as much as I could. And then in the summer, I skydive quite a bit. So I would like skydive in the summer, ski and snowboard all winter, and just like pivot back and forth between jobs that would allow that. So then I was like, oh, seasonal work's perfect. But then within like a couple weeks, they asked me if I wanted to stay on full-time. So back then I did customer service for like Solomon, Sunto, Arc'teryx, Mavic, a bunch of like, there's a bunch of different brands under the Omer Sports umbrella. Mm. So I kind of had to be an expert at like all of these things, but then we went into a more siloed like approach and I stayed with Solomon. And so I've been with Solomon now for 10 years, which is nuts. It was just last month was my 10 year anniversary. And from there, it's just basically been like from the day I started, I told the trail run marketing manager guy not the day but like you know within the first year I was like I'm gonna have your job someday and then just sort of like worked my way into it like showed up on weekends 
to help at races and any time of like athletes were in town you could probably like call it brown nosing or fangirling but just like wanted to be involved any way I could um, and then when positions would be created or like be available um, I kind of just got my way in there so it's not really like I have any like specialized training or did anything special I just sort of worked really hard was passionate, enthusiastic, and was in the right place at the right time. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting story, though, and I think there's a lot to be said about even just being physically very close to Solomon headquarters, and that can you can find a way to serendipitously meet the right people and, and get in. And it's cool that you've been there 10 years, too. So is this the place you plan to be, like you're fully invested? I'm fully invested. Yeah, because I was living in Salt Lake before, and we're based in Ogden, Utah, so... I made a little bit of a move. I never thought I'd live in Ogden, but I like it a lot. Bought a house up here, and then a couple years later bought another one. So I think I'm like fully invested in Ogden at least, but definitely can't really see myself working for another, like definitely not another footwear brand in mm -hmm. the industry. Like I could not ever, I just love Solomon so much. So it'd be like I was a wilderness guide before and I liked doing stuff like that, but. Uh, maybe I would just like quit one day, sell all my things and like own a coffee shop or something. I don't know. Like I, I don't see what I would do outside of this, which is probably like a dumb idea to not have like a plan if things go awry, but I'm kind of all in. <laughs> uh, that's super cool. Well, I want to talk about your current role because I know that it can be defined differently based on the brand. So sure. when you're managing the trail team and you've mentioned that there's other responsibilities from other positions that didn't get backfilled that you're still retaining. Yeah, what does it what does it mean at Solomon to manage the trail team? Can you talk about what like your day to day, like a typical day like right now looks like when you're not on the road traveling? Yeah, unfortunately it's changed a little bit from when I was first in this role because we were in the pandemic and I got to have like Zoom calls every week or every other week with the whole athlete team and I would make them like answer dumb questions about themselves. We would do like icebreakers. I've built like a Spotify playlist off of all their favorite songs and we were just so super connected uh, before but I don't we don't really get to talk as much so as far as my like relationship with the athletes right now is like um, just paying their bonuses and reimbursing them for like race entries and stuff like that so they submit all of their invoices to me and we'll chat every once in a while and just see like how their season's going how our race went if they need product or gear, mm. if I've sent them like specific gear that I want to hear how they, if they liked it, you know, if it's something new for us, like we just came out with the plated trail shoe and I, there's a couple athletes that have been running in it that I'm super curious, like what they think specifically. So I'll just chat with them about that. Uh, so it's nothing like too formal this time of year. It's just sort of like keeping in touch and checking in, seeing how things are going. But around October is when we'll start like negotiating 2023 contracts so things get a little more heated then a little more serious cool well i think one thing i'm curious about maybe we can just transition here to what it means to be a solomon trail team member and how the team is constructed stuff like that the first question i have what does solomon do to create a team atmosphere for its athletes because i know that you know at least in our sport we're not at a point quite yet where like on the roads and track, you have these co-located teams, everyone's showing up to the same space with a coach and 
practicing and traveling to races together. In our world, at least, it's still more remote, more virtual. So I'm just curious about how Solomon conceptualizes that experience and, and what it looks like. Yeah, um, I think it was the first year I was in like more of this type of role. We did an athlete summit here in Ogden, and we brought the team in, and we went through some like product training, did a lot of like running together. One of our ambassadors at the time was like a chef at like a Michelin restaurant or whatever in like the Big Sur area. So he flew in a bunch of food and cooked dinner for all of us, and we oh, just like cool. got a bunch of these like condos up in the mountains and hung out. And we didn't really have a an agenda other than just like getting to know each other and like learning a little bit about the new product coming out. And so we just try to get together once in a while like that. Um, that was a little hard to like align with a lot of people's schedules. And I've sort of learned if you bonus a race <laughs> and it's a really cool race, you can get a lot of your athletes there and then we can just sort of do it there. So the last two years we've gotten like either you know, two or three really big Airbnbs in Tahoe for Broken Arrow and just really like incentivize people to race and then just invite athletes to come hang out and we can all, we all do like a family dinner. But I think just getting together and like keeping communication going Mm. when the pandemic was full on, we would have our team calls and they'd be video and we'd all just kind of like talk about nothing really important, you know, but just like connecting as much as you can. Every time we get together for a race, I get at least one text that's like, oh my gosh, it was so good to see everyone. I feel like we're a family. Um, So just creating those moments where we can all get together because that life's just so busy. And like, if we see each other at a race and we're not all staying in the same place, it's like, good luck. You're never going to see anyone. But I like, you know, if you have a cool house to stay out with everyone else, I think that's really cool. But there's really nothing else. You'll get into this probably later, but like, when we kind of pick our athletes, mm. a lot of it goes into like their character. And I think it's a lot of just them. Like you put them in a place and they're all just so interesting and so nice. And like, they just connect with each other and end up feeling like a family. <laughs> no, I think that's a great next topic to, to cover here. I mean, I guess I can just ask it pretty straightforwardly. What do you look for when you're bringing on a new athlete into, into Solomon? You mentioned that character has stuff to do with it, but when it's all virtual, I'm wondering how you make those judgments and how you discover athletes. And Yeah, I will say, like, when I first took over, there was a lot of athletes on the team that are still on the team now, and there's a lot that aren't. And it was just kind of, like, things change. Like, I think at one point they had to have, maybe it was, like, four years ago, it was, like, they have to have this many, like, Facebook followers or, like, Instagram followers or something, you know? And, like, the, the criteria has, like, shifted Uh, And now for 2022, anyone that came in on like a one year or a new contract last year, I just basically took social media out of it. Mm. And we have like an influencer team that's like in their communities, either online or in person. And we just, those are influencers. And then these are athletes. And maybe like four times a year, I'll ask them to post or something. But I don't, I don't really look at social media unless there's like, okay, I'm looking for a male who, you know, races the shorter distance, who's competitive, like who's like podium all the time. And if it came down to like two guys, then you could start to be like, okay, which one is like involved with the retailers in his area that could help with our brand? You know, like if, if our premium retailers are in that area and he has a good relationship with them, 
Hmm. Maybe that one makes the most sense. Or maybe they have 25,000 followers and the other one doesn't have social media. You know, and it's like something that could like tick someone onto the other side, but it's definitely not like a top criteria anymore. But I was definitely earlier thinking uh, just like other than that, like I look at like consistency in the sport, like getting injured is just too easy. And when I look at athletes who maybe they haven't been winning for a really long time or they haven't been super competitive, but they've been in the sport, they've consistently like improved. That's really interesting to me. And then uh, their character for sure. And just Mm. the way that they like embody the culture of trail running, whether they do or don't. And then ultimately, like I have to talk to these guys like every day sometimes. And so just, they have to be nice. Like I I always just tell them they have two jobs and it's to run fast and be nice. Cause I'm like, I just want to make sure you're out there being nice to new runners, being nice to just, if you're on a training run and just being having like that trail etiquette or inviting people out on the trails, getting more people out and having that kind of like character and personality that goes a long way. But then there's more tangible things. Like I always look at the ITRA or ITRA. Is it International Trail Running Association points? Yeah, yeah. And ultra sign up. And, you know, every once in a while you'll get a resume that's like, I got first at this race, first at this race, first at this race. And you look and you're like, that 5K is different than this 5K. Yeah. And like, or you might have won that 50K and that's freaking sweet. But like, it wasn't like the 52K at Broken Arrow or, you know, something really competitive. So it's hard because, you know, you are an elite athlete in your own right. Um but just being a little, sometimes being picky. It's hard for me too because I'm like not at that level, so it feels really bratty to be like, you're not good enough. But I, last couple of years, I've made like tiers within our team. So it's like those people that like live and breathe running and they're competitive and they're just like push, push, pushing. Obviously, that's like going to be more of our elite team. And then we have like a pro team who either maybe they're like coming up or they're just sort of consistently winning national races. They don't really have an interest in racing international, but that's a, like where we have a lot of our team. And then we have like a community team that's super involved in their community. They're partnering up with retailers, doing group runs. They're still like winning races. They're getting on the podium at their local races. You know, everyone likes them. And then we have online influencers and we have people like Lauren Fleshman and Ricky Gates and like people who are kind of more like project based that we call our inspiration team. I want to talk um, about that inspiration team in a second because yeah, that's super very, interesting. Very, but yeah. one thing I want to go back to because it's just fascinating to me. You said that the criteria has shifted in recent years and you've actually almost entirely removed social media obligations from the sponsored athletes to do list. And I'm curious why, because I think, you know, that's probably a staple if I had to imagine in most contracts in other brands. So yeah, what went into that calculus? I feel like this is crazy, but I kind of feel like I was accidentally one of like the first influencers. <laughs> like, like I went on this weird all women's trip down to Havasupai, if you're familiar, the like waterfalls and stuff. And I had maybe like 4,000 followers at the time. And that was like a ton. I only have like 10 now, but I kind of weed them or I have like nine, but I'll like weed people out sometimes. But I went with all these girls that were just like taking pictures of themselves in hammocks in front of the waterfall and that sounds really normal now but back then I was like what are we doing like I thought we were gonna swim or I thought we were gonna like hang out and party but everyone was just like trying to get these like sweet shots of them in the outdoors and 
then we went on some hikes and they did the same thing and it was so strange to me and I got home and I remember being like that was so weird all of those girls just like were trying to get pics for their Instagram and that I can't remember how old I was man it was like more than 10 years ago so um I think there was a time when like peer-to-peer reviews and suggestions and recommendations really hit hard but I don't think that's the case anymore. I think we can all kind of see through influencers uh, and certain people who are saying things they're supposed to say mm. or saying things they've been coached to say or saying things because they get product for free or they're getting paid. Uh, and I just don't think it's genuine. And if someone's running for us, running for Solomon, I hope they're just talking about us like genuinely and sincerely. Like if they post like, I hope they tag us, you know, that would be a bare minimum. I do ask that they put it like in their bio that they're a Solomon running athlete. But I think more than anything, it's like, I want them to, if they have a relationship with social media that they like, I don't want to like muddy that up. And if they hate social media, I don't want to force them to post. Mm. Cause I've seen that from some sponsored athletes like that I follow and it's really funny and it's awkward. And they'll sometimes be like, you know, Brand X said I had to post something about these shoes. They're sweet, you know, and you're like, well, that's so weird. Like I would hate if one of our athletes did that. So I just kind of looked at it and thought that right now it's not important. And I think the conversations I was hearing about like, okay, I'm an athlete, but you won't sign me because I don't have 10,000 followers. Like, what's the deal? Am I an athlete or am I an influencer? I just wanted to really clear that up and be like, we're signing you because you're fast and like you're cool and your character's awesome and you know you're consistent and you're like this important person in the sport for sure. But that's you know just a benefit of that, but or like a bonus. Yeah. But I just thought it was like a strong move right now because I don't think social media as is as impactful as it used to be. I think storytelling is really cool on social media and like reliving experiences or being live in an experience and things like that. But I just don't think like that, that phony, like peer to peer, like suggestion thing is a yeah. thing anymore. I, don't know. <laughs> I think it's super interesting and it makes me think because it's so hard to track, but I think word of mouth marketing in our community is incredibly powerful. I think to people, just in the Salt Lake area. I think of like Jimmy Elam, who works for Ultra, Leah Yingling, who's on the Solomon team. There's so many people that I'll have conversations with on runs, and whether I realize it or not, they're influencing me, and I ultimately go and invest in the products they're using. But you can't track that stuff. You can't track a text message conversation. You can't track what was said on a 90-minute run or what was said in passing at like a dinner among 10 trail running friends. And I think that these runners, even if it doesn't somehow show obviously on Instagram, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes for these brands yeah. that I think is super impactful. And, but yeah, it's like that dark area of marketing that you can't really prove totally. with numbers that's working. So I don't know. I Sometimes wanna... it's really hard to show or like explain what I do in certain areas of my job for sure. Cause it isn't like super tangible. And that's another like criteria that I look at is like, I don't think I've ever found someone who's like head to toe in love with another brand and like brought them over to Solomon. It's more like people who are already loving Solomon and have run in it and like our ethos or like our brand and like our products and like our team vibe, you know, and I've get a lot of like um, Instagram messages or, or even emails that are just saying like, 
I got to hang out with your team at some race and it was so fun. Like they just, that, that's like, seems like the most fun team to be on. And like uh, when people approach joining our team that are already kind of like an advocate for the brand or they're just already, it's like, I don't want to have to convince them that like, this is the shoe they should be wearing or these are the hydration vests you're going to like have to love or whatever. Uh, it's just so much easier to work with someone who already loves Solomon and there's plenty of people out there. So yeah, and then without knowing it, they're like out and people are looking at what they're wearing and what they're doing. And I I just think that that's more impactful than if I was like, hey, Leah, you need to post that this is your new favorite shoe. Yeah. You know, because it drops tomorrow. But we do ask them to do reviews on Salma.com. So I'm not going to be totally like, we don't ask them to do anything. But it says that they're like a sponsored athlete with us. So like take their advice lightly or whatever, you know, or like take it very seriously because they're putting it through the paces, but yeah, I, I have to like reassess the strategy every year. Yeah. And like around this time you can start to see like, Oh, that was a mistake or that was, that was a, that was a cool thing we did or whatever. Cause it, they start to kind of, I don't know, show themselves the way that these choices you make. I think we're seeing a really interesting rise in community affiliation too. Like when we, we both know on, in the Wasatch, uh, mm-hmm. the women of the Wasatch group, that's like 900 people. And you can always count on at least 20 to 30 to 40 people showing up at any of their Tuesday night group runs. And Bonkers. those are or more and there's, you know, those are excellent opportunities for very organic conversations in addition to all the other positives that those groups serve so I think that kind of affiliation is interesting to measure as well yeah even groups like that that kind of pop up and then like just we're going to speak super locally but like Wasatch Mountain Wranglers was like the rage when I was out in the field doing group runs like if I could partner with them and like Salt Lake City Running Company I was like yes big win yeah and now that's just like kind of dissipated and now it's like women of the Wasatch is on fire um, I'm trying to set up a beer mile with them, nice. <laughs> like just doing fun stuff with them is, you know, like just fun. Cause they're really fun and, and, and inclusive, but also like if, you know, if they're liking Solomon, then that's awesome too. But yeah, there's a lot of really cool community groups out there and you just, you can't, you just have to like connect with them in a more like unique and like genuine way than just like social media influencers. <laughs> I don't know. I had a couple more questions on the athlete front. I think, again, I'm not a pro athlete, but I talk and hang out with a couple of them. And I think one of the biggest concerns among that group of runners in our community is if they sign a contract with a brand, it could be Hoka, it could be Solomon, it could be Adidas, you name it, that it's just this very precarious relationship because we we participate in a risky sport, like injury risk is high. can oftentimes be the exception to the rule that people have more than one good race a year. I'm curious how Solomon thinks about that and how, what expectations are set with athletes when they're signing contracts. Like, is it, is it pretty volatile or do you say, Hey, you know, we're going to believe in you for the long term and stuff like that. It's really funny. I was, I was going to mention this earlier, but I was in Mount, at Mar- Marathon, I had Olivia Amber from the North Face and Allie Mack from On and myself staying in a house. And uh, I was just kind of talking to them about their contracts. And like, they're not sharing that much with me, which is what they're supposed to do. But I was like, how cool would that be if I could sit down with like Esther from the North Face and I forgot his name from On, Andy? 
Brian. <laughs> David Kilgore. Uh, yep. the team. <laughs> Andy, Brian, David Kilgore. Um, and just be like, okay, how much can we share with each other? Because I kind of feel like every year I get the like global strategy from our French team because we're a French brand. We're a European brand. So I get their strategy, but it doesn't always make sense for our market. So I tweak it a little bit. And then some of it, I'm just like flying by the seat of my pants. Like, I think this is what's happening in the U.S. market and I'm going to take this risk. But... I forgot your question. Well, I was just going to say, how do you quell the fears of athletes that are coming on board to Solomon that think, yeah, it's great that I just got signed by you, but this is a risky sport. Injury risk, even if I have a track record of healthiness, is high. And I'm just going to be a one-hit wonder, and you're going to drop me the very next year. Well, okay, so that's where I was getting at this, is that, like, I... We can do like a one-year, two-year, three-year contract, um, and it's obviously like better for us if we do one year because um, we can really be agile and like adaptable. But I know that doesn't give anyone, you know, peace of mind. So we try to sign people three years when we can and give them that a little bit. And I started including, you know, like just really like incentivizing things, but then. I check in with some of our athletes just to like quite a bit just to make sure like they don't feel too much pressure. Uh, we, I just this year added like a, uh, I think it's a 90 day, basically that they have to do three year, three races a year, uh, which I think seems fair. Mm. And they're not di- like dictated or whatever. Like I don't say you have to do these three races a year, but you have to do three races a year uh, just so that you're still active and relevant and at least even if you're like not winning it, like go out to your community race and like get involved with the community, even if you're injured. Don't race, obviously, but even when people have been injured, just keeping them involved and like with whether that's online or with the retailer or with their community runs, but really just trying to give them a piece of peace of mind that like you're not just here because you're fast. We also like who you are. A lot of them, a lot of our athletes have like side projects and these like dreams that we want to help them, you know, manifest that it's like, whether it's, you know, Nolan's 14 or some FKT or a first attempt at something that they want to do, like uh, if we can support those things or when a lot of them, I don't know. It's just like, I try to instill in like just being like, you're not just here because you run. Yeah you're here for more reasons than that and that. And then also if we sign someone for 2022, let's say, and they get injured, like we've never not paid them. So we'll still pay for that year. And if, you know, we need, like there's been athletes that have stepped down because they've gotten injured and they're even signed for multiple years. And that's really impressive. But I think just really like when you, if there's athletes like listening to this and it's like, you're going to go have a conversation with um, like an athlete manager. It's if that's something that makes them nervous, like if you voice that during your conversations, I have a lot of conversations with the athletes I sign just cause I don't, we don't, I don't know. We just don't have like a huge team. I don't want to make a bad decision uh, and just, you know, maybe be stuck with someone who's like not nice or not, I don't know. I don't know. I'm stumbling a little bit. Sorry. No, no, this makes total sense. Yeah. I think there's like a lot of parts to it where it's like, if it's something that worries you definitely bring it up and then thinking of ways to work around it. And then as soon as like our athletes have gotten injured, like before I even know they're injured, they'll come to me and be like, okay, 
here's what's going on. This is how long my doctor says I'm out. Like, are there any races I could come to and either be on like a panel or like come serve drinks or, you know, just be on site and help out or hang out or whatever. And they want to very much stay relevant and stay front of mind. And they still want to be part of the team and they want to be involved. So that's really cool. And like, I know, I don't know of any brand that wouldn't like fulfill their side of the contract when something comes up. Well, I think, I think one thing that would be helpful to the audience, because I think there are a fair number of aspiring sponsored slash pro athletes in the audience. And maybe I'll ask you this, like, are there any questions that you're surprised aren't asked more often in the negotiation process that you think would be helping athletes? Like, maybe they're not asking the questions because they want to, but they're afraid that like, it's going to, you know, shut down opportunities and stuff like that. Like you, I think you just made a good example with just being upfront about like injury risk and expectations over the course of the contract. Yeah. I have to think about that, but I do like with women, especially I've had a couple women come to me and we're kind of negotiating contracts in October and maybe they're already signed for a couple of years and they're like panicked because they're, they got pregnant and they don't know what that means, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think I'm just shocked at how nervous some athletes are to ask questions that seem like just a, not like a no brainer, but mm. it's like, Oh, I would have never thought to just like drop you because this happened or, you know, we're not going to like just walk away from our commitment to you because, you have to take six months off or something, you know? Mm. But I think understanding, it's like reading it through and really understanding it. Cause there are some parts in ours, like we have to work with a lawyer and get it, you know, legal and make sure everything makes sense and it's fair and right. And then there's times where I'll have a conversation with an athlete months later and they're like, I don't understand why I have to do this. And you're like, it's in your contract, you know? Yeah. So just really reading through, I would say some of the some people I've worked with in the past, it's like they're so passionate about their side projects that they, we kind of like, they want to like muddy the water and be like, with my athlete contract, can you provide, you know, this and that for this project I'm doing that's like, um, maybe it's like a film festival or something that's not, it's like could be in with it, but it's like separate. So I think if you have these passion projects, having, an addendum or like having a separate contract that spells out like this is this and this is that Mm. and being as clear as you can in like the give get for everything. I've learned to just be very detailed and very like clear on those give gets. Like we give you this, you give us this, (laughs) you know, like this is this kind of relationship and reading through like why things can be terminated and asking questions about what those things mean because it can be tricky Mm. and just really understanding like some of it is vague and some of it is very wordy in ours and I've tried to simplify it as much as I can but I'll admit like I'm reading through it and I'm like I don't fully understand what this is getting at so I'm just gonna have the lawyer explain it to me reword it and have him like approve it because it doesn't fully make sense so I don't think any brand is like trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes, but it's like some lawyer helping you write it and they're like using words that we don't use in day to day. So I think things like that and just understanding like maybe what your brand's like 
goals are or like your like what your our focus right now is definitely like short distance competitive like fast races locally here in North America. I know we have a couple people on the team that don't like necessarily fit right into that like Mike McKnight and Courtney DeWalter and people who are running these long distances mm. and that's a separate thing, but I think it's really exciting when someone can do more than one good race a year, you know, and it's because they're doing like 26Ks. So understanding, like being really clear, like my favorite distance to race is a 50 miler. Is that like aligned with what your goals are as a brand, you know, and just like things like that, like being really clear about what your ideal partnership looks like Mm. and what you're hoping to get out of it so that you're not like a mismatch. I don't know. Another thing I'm curious about switching gears just a little bit. You mentioned earlier that within your sponsorship model, you have tiers of athletes. So you have like the global athletes, then you have the pro athletes. And I'm curious, how do you go about competing for slash recruiting athletes? Like the Courtney's of the world, the Eli Hemmings of the world. What is the sell on like choosing Solomon versus Hoka or Adidas or Adidas or like some other brand? You know, I've never like, chased down an athlete we started working with courtney years ago she came to our run clubs in colorado Mm. and i think we started by just giving her like six pairs of shoes a year and then the next year we gave her like two grand like here's two thousand dollars for your gas money or whatever and then it just like escalated very quickly from there and then hopefully she'll be with us for the rest of her career you know and it's just like you build those relationships Uh, and then you know if i I feel like, let's say I was at Broken Arrow and the guy who came in second was Eli Hemming, but he was wearing full like Under Armour or something. I wouldn't go up to him and be like, you should come run for Solomon. But the fact that he's wearing full Solomon and our full, our team the night before at dinner was like, do you know Eli Hemming? He's so rad. He's so nice. He's such a good guy. And they're all like, you should totally talk to him, you know? And so I like, I like Instagram messaged him the night before and was like, hey, everyone said I should talk to you. Do you want to meet me up at the tent at like 11? So I think it's more like I've never approached an athlete and had to like convince them to come run for us. And if I get to that negotiation point in the conversations where they're like, okay, well, I'm talking in like three other brands and they're going to pay me this much or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, well, you should go with them then. Like if, if you're after money Mm. and just money and like, maybe you'll change brands in two years or you're just sort of following wherever the cash flow goes. I don't know if that's the right move for us. Everyone who's on our team is just sort of like really wants to be on the Solomon team. Mm. And there's been instances where I'm like embarrassed at what we're coming in at at first and then you see their performances and you're like, wow, we need to talk about next year because we came in way low and I'm embarrassed (laughs) at what we're paying you right now or, or whatever. So uh, I've been shocked at how little they're willing to take because they just like love the people on our team and love being on the brand, like love being in the team. So I think there's nothing I'm ever going to say like, you know, you should run for Solomon because of this, Uh, because like certain shoes aren't for everybody. Like you find your shoe that works for you. And like a lot of the time that, um, that sways that, like I have someone I really, really, really like, and she really, really, really likes us and our team, but our shoes just don't work for her. Uh, And so we hang out all the time. We run together, but she just can't run in our shoes, you know, and we can't, we can't have her as an athlete, but then there's, yeah, there's just, I don't think that that's a conversation that I would be willing to have where I'm like used car salesman <laughs> for the brand. Yeah. 
So it makes it easy because I get like, I'd say I get at least one message a day on Instagram about how someone either wants to be an athlete for our brand, an ambassador for our brand, or they want my job. (laughs) And so there's no like shortage of athletes out there that I know are, you know, qualified to be a sponsored athlete, but it's sort of like easier if they already like Solomon. You mentioned this project-based inspiration team. I'm always curious Mm. what happens to athletes when they're either ready to retire from formal competition or just phase into the next step in their career, like Scott Jurek with Brooks comes to mind. Um, Mm -hmm. And you mentioned Ricky Gates and Lauren Fleshman. And, you know, to my knowledge, like Ricky and Lauren, both incredible success at various stages in their career in our sport and on the road and track. What does it mean to be a part of this inspiration team? You talk about this because I've never heard of this before. I know. I am like, oh, no, I let the cat out of the bag with the name. No, just kidding. I think... um, I was realizing we, I feel like we're one of the only, maybe I'm just like tunnel vision because I've worked here for so long, but I don't see a lot of brands who like keep their, like their athletes on just because they're interesting and like do cool things. No, but I, we do have some contracts that are very project based. So uh, whether they come to us ahead of time and say, next year I want to do like these two things. I think I would need like this much money and this is what I would look for support. Uh, Or if it's just like, we like what you're doing already. We know you'll come up with something great. Like let's work together. But like Ricky does bus run bus and hut run hut. And we kind of like low key support those. It's not like a big sponsorship or anything, but we give him gear for those things. And he did like some backpacking, fast packing trips this year. He also did like his ultra training thing with, he took like the Amtrak train and it was like a CLE Amtrak Solomon project. Oh, nice. Uh, but there's certain people that are just great people, great storytellers, and you're like, we just want you around. Like, we want you to stay with the brand. Like, Ricky Gates, to me, like, before I worked here and before I knew him, it was just like, he is just Solomon, you know? Um, so when you find people like that, you just want to hold on to them. And they always bring something interesting. And, like... I learn a lot from him and Lauren. They're just very like articulate and they tell good stories and I just talk in circles and I like, <laughs> I, I aspire to be, um, you know, a great storyteller like them someday. But it's really cool to have those different types of people who inspire you on the team and that have so much different like experience within the sport, you know? Like years ago when Ricky was racing at speed goat or something you know like the the whole scene was different then oh yeah and like the whole sport and all of it was so different so to just get to be around him and like hear stories is just really cool but we don't have a ton of those athletes and some of them kind of teeter back and forth I think Max King is just basically on all of our teams <laughs> he's just like um just keeps getting better with age so he we definitely think of him as like an inspirational athlete because he's like leading these kids camps and he just is so involved in his community, but then he just won Mount Marathon, you know, and he's just like crushing. So um, some do kind of tiptoe back and forth on some of those lines, but yeah, it's just like, it's cool if uh, one of our athletes on the team now said he wants to be the next Max King and he just wants to be like so involved in the sport that he's not just like thinking about running. He's thinking about like the big picture 
and like the legacy he wants to leave on the sport, you know? So I just think stuff like that's cool. Yeah. It makes me wonder, you know, because let's just say that you spend the vast majority of your twenties and your thirties committing yourself to the performance side of the sport. Um, but at the same time, you've been interacting with the brand on the marketing side for a super long time too, and probably picking up some skills there. Is there a way to neatly transition into that part of the company once your competition days are over? And this sounds like, you know, if you've picked up storytelling skills along the way, or that just naturally suited you, that is one way to remain relevant, which I think is both awesome from like a stability security standpoint, but also it's just great for the sport that that person doesn't just disappear, but they stay around for a long time. Yeah, I think of all the things that Ricky's done for the sport, and uh, it's just, it's so fascinating. And, uh, like, even Max right now, I'm, like, pushing hard for him to be the new, like, global international athlete team manager. I don't think he even wants to be it, but I think there's always really cool opportunities like that, too, if Mm. he wanted to step away from, you know, racing and putting on these camps and stuff like that, he could even just, he could walk into the office like tomorrow and get a job with Solomon. Everyone loves him so much. (laughs) You've mentioned that you've been with Solomon for about a decade now, and I'm guessing you've seen a lot of transformation within the company, but also within the sponsorship landscape as a whole. And I'm curious, have you noticed any big differences between, let's just say, 2012 and 2022 about, uh, like opportunities, for example, in the sport for athletes, like, you know, just to name one example, are there more athletes on the Solomon roster that have the chance to be full-time now, for example? Yeah, I think I have a hard time with years. Like, so I guess that's about when I started. Um, and it was like around that time, it was like Dakota and Maybe Killian, like Max, what? Killian. Always Killian. Always Killian. Yeah. Um, and like Megan Kimmel and Stevie Kramer and Anna Frost. Um, and it was like all of them were just like top tier. I don't remember us having like multiple tiers, but I also think, you know, you wonder sometimes like how their times would stack up now because there's so many more trail runners, but we had a pretty tight, but elite team, but I don't think like anyone was really getting paid like that's such a new thing like um I think we used to cover expenses for races and travel and lodging a lot and give people gear Uh, but I would say the biggest change I've seen is like paying someone an actual livable wage in the last 10 years you know um because trail running just hasn't been at that level I think even if you think back like I don't know how old you are but if I think back to like my first ultra I think of who was at the starting line and it's like a bunch of like crotchety old men (laughs) and definitely just like an older crowd and like I don't I don't know it's times were slower and then now it's like these like little whippersnappers and their split shorts are 22 year olds and that just like wasn't a thing 10 years ago and I think it's now being seen well we know this I mean we I've talked about it a lot but like we see it as just it's like the bigger brands from road running are going to start really coming into trail and we can't get away with paying these like top trail athletes these like retainers probably anymore because we I do think 
you know, we've been like assessing our sports marketing strategy and realizing like we do need and want to pay more. And it's like just across the sport and across all the brands and industries and athletes, like it's increasing. We want to be right there too and feel like what we're paying is fair, but it probably means we'll have to like downsize the team back to when we had like just 10 elite athletes uh, and they're all getting compensated fairly instead of like kind of spreading it out really thin and having a bigger team. But that's for sure been my, the biggest thing I've noticed. Like there's, I remember just sending our athletes like a couple pairs of shoes every month. And that was like, that's your payment, you know, like that's been a huge change. And I do hope that we can continue to pay a competitive rate. I, I don't think that's another thing is like none of us, I don't know how much other people are making other athletes and other, what other brands are that's paying. And that's just like something that we don't talk about, but that would be so interesting to know. It's interesting. You know, if you talk to athletes, they'll say that they feel there's like a black box between them and the brand, but it's interesting. That there's a black box between brands as well. Like n- nobody in the market, I mean, maybe you have a decent sense, but you don't have any exact figures to benchmark against. And it's one big guessing game. That's super interesting. Well, yeah, and we'll have an athlete that is totally content and, like, my bad for not, like, realizing their potential sooner, maybe. Um, But they'll be running for us for race entries and footwear, and then another brand will come in when their contract is expiring and then offer them something, and I'm like, oh. And they'll tell me, like, they offered me this much. I, you know, maybe I want to stay here, but can you, like, match that? And you're like, holy crap. (laughs) You know, like, you just don't know, like, how how they're structuring their team and like what's important to them. Like if maybe that person on our team didn't make a lot of sense because we're focused on the golden trail series and they're focused on hundred milers or something like that more so than you're like, maybe that athlete just resonates so much with this brand for them that they want them that bad. And we love them so much, but I'm like, man, I think you should go to that team. That's a lot of money. And you just, there's no, yeah, there's no transparency. There's no way to know. Um, but then you can kind of see who some of the bigger brands are in the sport and assume, like, you know, you can kind of guess that, you know, Jim Walmsley's being paid a lot, you know, because it's Hoka. It's just like, you know things, but you don't know the specifics at all. And um, I try to get in there and use my charm and wit to figure things out, but it it's a wall. Would you say, in, in just ballparking and guessing it, would you say that, payment entered into the equation like two years ago or five years ago like on that 10-year time horizon where 10 years ago it was just shoes like when do you think that that switch flipped if you had to guess I would say like probably five years ago but then it sort of took a pause for the the pandemic like that kind of got weird Uh, and then all of a sudden it like really leveled up Mm. like maybe you were paying them a few grand or like 10 grand or something like that but then I think in the last two years I've really seen it like just skyrocket kind of as a fan of the sport that wants to see more people like invest their life's work here especially as athletes I shouldn't say just as athletes as, as just anywhere in the sport that's very exciting to me that more people yeah. will have the opportunity to just exclusively focus on being a high performance athlete and hopefully over multiple years too. Like I like the the idea of those multi-year contracts so that they can 
maybe one year they do have an injury, but like they still got two years left and they can focus. I don't know. So this is just, this is a super exciting time. And it, and it just proves to me that our sport is on this awesome growth trajectory if brands have the ability to pay as well. Yeah, I think we've all sort of like if I, especially when you talk to race directors, like they really want to incorporate purses and uh, like just getting top athletes to their races and just growing the whole sport and community overall is I think really front of mind for a lot of people. And then as, you know, like the bigger brands start to come into our sport, like, um, yeah, it's like when you have that competition, you got to like up your game in any realm. So it is really exciting. I especially love advocating for our female athletes who I feel like just maybe, you know, women in, in like in the outdoor industry. I've worked in the outdoor industry for a long time and I've had to figure out ways to get have my voice heard mm. and how to really like stand up for myself and advocate for myself. And it's hard. Like, so I especially just have the soft spot for like the women on our team and just like how I can help elevate them and advocate for them in the sport because it's hard to like I love when athletes come to me and be like this is this thing I did but it takes a lot of guts to brag about yourself (laughs) essentially Um, and there's a lot of struggles going on behind the scenes that we don't always see and then there's just so much that goes into like the races and everything that's happening and um yeah I'm just always impressed and I'm always just trying to get what's fair and what's right and so even with me like I have to manage our budget for North America for all of our athletes and so just making really smart choices and making sure that those people who have been with us and have been consistent and have been just like awesome pieces of the brand are taken care of before I go like scouting out new athletes and bringing new people into the fold even if it would be really cool to get that person it's like are we taking care of our people to the level that we want first and maybe that one has to slide and we have to we have to give that one up because we I would rather take that money and invest it back into people who have been like committed to us for so long. So it is challenging and you don't like I have a tendency to be hyper like transparent, like too transparent and super honest. And I've been known to like give away the farm, you know, when they're just like, oh, I just wanted two eggs. And I'm like, here, take it all. Um, so I really have to like reel it in and like really see what they're looking for and like there's athletes that don't want to fully be like, I don't want to hundred percent be focused on running all the time. So our investment to them, it's like if, if they're willing to do these four golden trail national series races, but they, other than that, they want to be out like canyoneering or mountaineering or skiing or surfing or something, um, making that contract make sense for them too, that they can have that flexibility and not feel like they have to race all the time and train hard all the time. You talked earlier about the strategy of Solomon in North America, focusing on faster, shorter races, which is interesting to me. Can you just talk more about that in particular and then maybe what your investments in the trail running space in our neck of the woods looks like over the next couple of years, like what you're really focusing on and looking for? Yeah, I think um, I don't remember who, but like I was talking to an athlete at a race a few years ago and we were just talking about how trail running used to almost mean ultra running. Uh, Back when, like back when I started, I didn't really, like either they didn't really exist or I wasn't really noticing like 
trail half marathons and trail marathons, it was more like, come do a 50K, come do a 50 miler, come do a 100 miler. And then you started, we started seeing like the shorter distances popping up and like even the Cirque series, like that, that became like very fun and competitive and approachable too. Um, so just sort of talking about a lot of, a lot of things about short distance trail racing is really fun and um, it's like easier to spectate, you know, cause you don't have to pay attention for 20 hours <laughs> and like there are those bomb hundred miler and like 200 mile races that you're glued to, but getting to see some of your, like the athletes that you might love or like follow race four times a year yeah. really hard is really cool. So I think just from like that perspective, um, I sort of made that shift for 2022 and it seems like it went well and it's been really fun to get involved. Golden Trail National Series was new for us 2021 and 2022 and um, was the second, this is the second year and we've had uh, Broken Arrow so far and QMT up in Quebec. And then September we'll have three races and the final at Flag, but it's getting a lot of, a lot more traction. Like a lot of people, I just kind of went rogue and built like a sign up sheet to see like who was racing it because the only other way I can do it is kind of almost do like a V lookup across all the races and see if there's repeating people in it. So Ultra Sign Up helped me build like a a page where I can track results. That's cool. And there are like a lot of people interested in it and a lot more than there were in 21. And I think just the races that we've picked are really top notch and they're like the whole vibe is right and it's like these fun like festival festival feelings kind of um but yeah I just think that that if you're looking for that kind of like I don't know playful competitive racing is that like 26k distance is super cool we definitely still are like a big mountain running brand and like you know, we'll have a bunch of athletes at Hard Rock next weekend, and we'll always have athletes at Western States and things like that, but as far as just, like, our main focus, we have a lot more athletes that race under 50k, Um, and I think, I don't know, it was just sort of, like, one of those things that I just sort of made that call to invest in that, that, like, distance in that athlete, because, we had, well, I guess we had to cut our budget back a lot when COVID hit. We used to sponsor like 230 races across the U.S. And it was like every little community race we could like get involved with. And it was so fun. We'd bring our demo shoes out and we would just, you know, bring everyone beer. And it was so fun. But then we had like severe cuts and um, we just were like, okay, we've got these like multi-year contracts with some of these races. So let's just go in as big as we can at these ones and then I thought the best way to elevate if you can only do three races like the best way to get all of them elevated in exposure is to put it in a series so Golden Trail series made sense Uh, and then in order to do the like four races you have to do to go to the championships like they have to be shorter distance so it kind of all just came together after the pandemic and then going to the races I was like yes this is a good this is a good thing like these these distance of races are a lot more approachable we see a lot more uh, fasties out there and it's fun to watch and it's just kind of fun and cool, but I don't know. It will probably, it just changes every year. Like two years ago we sponsored, or like three years ago, I don't remember how many years, we sponsored all the 200 miler races, you know? Well, I think it's cool. I think it's directionally correct. I 
I have to admit, I am definitely an offender when it comes to equating trail running to ultra running, um, just because I think like 100K, 100 mile, 200 miles where all of my imagination and passion lies. That said, if I had to tell you my why for this podcast and why I do this stuff, it's just to purely get more people into trail running. And I fully agree with you that the gateway for that is definitely like in the VKs and the sub marathon distances and at places like Broken Arrow and honestly at all these different events that Solomon is sponsoring in the North American series. So I think it's a great strategy and I'll be super curious to see, um, like if you measure these numbers, new entrance into the sport, like documented new entrance into the sport through those series and, and if they're doing it because yeah, like they just see a 10 K as something that they can more easily wrap their head around and have fun at and who knows and who cares if they move up the ladder and distance. Cause I think it's just good to have people on the trails regardless. Yeah, we all had that one really cool trail experience, you know, that got us into more cool trail experiences. So it's like, um, that doesn't happen on your, you know, you don't get to like your first 50 miler by not having some kind of short distance fun time. And then you mentioned like things you could see here, like in Salt Lake. Is that kind of what you mean? Like in Utah? Across the board. But yeah, obviously I would love to invest as much as I'm actually, you know, there are races like Speed Goat and uh that whole series but a part of me thinks there's still a lot of stuff to to either build up or further invest in here like you mentioned how you equate the wasatch 100 with western states and i love hearing that because even though that race still sells out every single year i think there's so many more stories we could tell about it so much more marketing and promotion we could do around it and i would love to see some evolution there and i'm only speaking for myself as a fan yeah, if you grew up in California, you're talk, like you're just so used to saying Western states. But I think here, like I've always thought about the Bear mm. and Wasatch. Mm. So then, anytime I go to say Western, I feel like I always say Wasatch because it's like the big 100 that's important to me. That's in my backyard. Yeah. But then there's a lot of runners that they have that like emotional connection to Western states. But yeah, I just think I I like just kind of going out. Like I've been going to a ton of races this year and just sort of seeing what the overall vibe is. Um, and I just like to feel kind of react like that I can be reactive and agile. And I have this really cool team at work that we're just all super passionate about trail running. I'm always like asking Max King questions, you know, soundboard, like bouncing things off of him. Is this dumb? Is this cool? Is this a bad idea? Um, so he's kind of, he's helpful there, but it's like, I don't, I don't know where the future of trail run is, trail running is going. I like to speculate. But for a while there, I thought races were out and like FKTs are mm. in, you know, like, yeah. like mountain point points are in. And then as soon as I went to the first race post-COVID, I was like, races are back on. <laughs> I'm all about races. They're so fun. But then I was just talking to one of our like ambassador athletes, Chris Fisher, who he has like the vert record. Yeah. Do you have you yeah. heard of him? Oh, yeah. he has, he's crazy. But he's going to try something funky out here in the Wasatch pretty soon. And I was like, oh, yeah. So... It's, I think there's just going to be like little subcultures within the sport, you know, that are just going to just grow and be so interesting. And it's so cool to be like where I came from. My first race ever was a 50 miler and I was wearing no socks and I was wearing Nike free road shoes and I didn't have a watch and I was using map my run (laughs) and I just like gave it hell. And now to like, look at how the sport has changed. It's just like, 
it's so cool that I'm old enough that I've got to see all of that happen <laughs> and then I get to see what comes next. But uh, yeah, I hope being based in Utah and just like having these mountains and having so much going on in the trail space, I want to like really get involved and invest more just here locally too. And I'm trying to f think of fun ways to do that. But Well, Steph, it has been I an honor to have you on the show. This has to date been a unique perspective on the podcast. We've mostly focused, as I've said, on coaches and athletes and We've done some people in business, but this is our first athlete trail manager focused uh, episode. So thank you for shedding all the light on. I think you're going to give a lot of listeners great things to think about. And yeah, I'll make sure to link to all of your social media in the show notes. And Can I say yeah, one more thing? Yeah. I was thinking earlier, like for people who are, I know there are people interested in like getting into the outdoor industry. And I would say that more than knowing things about the sport, I just like love connecting with people. And you can see I have a lot of like anxious energy yeah. and I talk a lot and I uh, sometimes, like I'm gonna get off this podcast and be like, what did I even say? Like, I should just be quiet. But I think, you know, if that's something that you're interested in is like working with athletes and race directors, the, a really important part of it is just like wanting to connect with those people. You can always learn about the thing that you're managing like as far as like a race or, or a sport things like that that are like you can learn but I think the best part about my job and working with Solomon is like the the connections I've made with athletes and with race directors and people at work and so just having this weird obnoxious like anxious energy <laughs> has got me into places where I just I like I want to talk to the athletes all the time I want to like figure out what like their dreams are and like can I help them you know get to that and if I can't can I help them get somewhere else they can you know and just really wanting what's best for the people that I care about and like the athletes on our team and stuff so I just think there's not really one way to get a job like this or to get a job in the industry it's really just like being passionate about the sport and like being excited I don't know I always have to make it like uh, like just make people understand my my weird jittery talking circles energy and it's just because I'm so excited no. <laughs> about everything all the time this is great well stuff it's been a pleasure I'm sure we'll talk again at some point but thanks again for the time okay cool I'll see you soon